Hello and welcome to Mutual Assured Conversation. It's back to the old school. It's myself and Luca Vets. How's lockdown in Keradigian, Luke? Um, well, I think it's like lockdown everywhere else. I've got a choice of going for a walk or going to the supermarket. Um, I suppose the supermarkets are a little bit further away here in Keradigian, but uh, all that aside, it's much the same. How, how are things in lockdown in Newport? Um, yeah, there's there's a fair amount of, of dodging other people while out on, on my exercise. Um, um, yeah, I won't, I won't get into the um, the legality issues of, of driving somewhere for exercise, but I think... Might, if, might, be, might be another podcast. I think if you live in a very urban area and you have a lot of people here, there might be a benefit in driving 10 minutes to a place where there aren't lots of people to exercise, but uh, that's far too controversial for us to get into right now. We're going to deal with a much safer topic. We're going to talk <laughs> about the debate around wealth independence. Um, now, we, we come at this um, with the aim to have a constructive discussion. We're not going to try and win you round to either the idea of um, independence or to be opposed to independence. Um, I'm sure my own views and Luke's will come out um, during the discussion a little bit. And we're intending to to cover this broad topic over a number of podcasts during the year. Now, we'll mix them in with other topics as well, so it won't become too heavy on this focus. But my feeling is for the first time in my lifetime, there is actually a plausible possibility that Wales could leave the Union. And if we're in those realms where that's a a plausible scenario it's important that we discuss it at a detailed level dare i say perhaps more so than we did around the brexit debate where an awful lot of the discussion as to what it was going to look like came after the vote um so i think i'm sure that there will be points during this episode and during future episodes where we will annoy both sides um but i think that it's actually healthy for everybody to try and engage in some of these topics. We're going to try and address some of the big issues away from the normal debate. The sound bites that we're used to are one thing, but realistically, a major constitutional change that undoes centuries of union is no small feat. So to start with, um, and I should say, we're going to try and do these podcasts in a way that you can listen to them in whichever order you choose. So it, it, you don't have to do them in order, because that really annoys me with podcasts when you have to do them in order. Um, that's a tangent I could go off on. I won't. Um, but we do feel that a good starting point is to consider how independence could actually come about in Wales, because that's not necessarily a straightforward question in itself. Luke, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I suppose thinking of, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the way that Brexit came about. I mean, it isn't something really that uh, that we've been thinking about um, very much. There have been vocal calls for it, but it came about all of a sudden. I think with Welsh independence, there have been calls for independence from um, some course for quite some time. But it does seem to be increasing in popularity. Um, now, if you go on Welsh Twitter... Um, I think about eight. I think uh, I think that about eighty-five percent of people on Welsh Twitter seem to support independence. It is very vocal, and about fifty percent of lampposts as well seem to support independence. 
Um, only 50%. I mean, it surprises well, me if Kerry Diggins only got 50% of the lampposts on board because I've got to tell you, Newport, if you find a lamppost without a Yes for Wales <laughs> sticker, or a Yes Wales sticker, Yes Cymru sticker, sorry. Yes. Um, yes for Wales was, was 1997. I'm very out of date, aren't I? Um, yes, a little, little bit different. But I mean, if, if you look at the, um, the polling, you know, there have been polls conducted and there has does seem to have been an increase in support for independence, thinking back to the um, YouGov Yes Cymru poll back in November 2020, that seems to suggest 33%, which um, is, is, is an all-time high. You're getting to the realms where, um, you know, that's a significant amount of, of, of people um is is this something really that, uh, that that we should be then considering as a potential option it's been quite momentous with brexit um is it time for wexit now can i mention a theory which i've shared previously i think on these podcasts uh, and i might be sharing this out of great honesty because I, I might be right on the verge of being proven completely wrong on this but my feeling was that the peak opportunity for nationalists and this was more with a view to Scotland but it applies to Wales equally was around the point that Brexit was occurring which mm. you could put down as when the the vote went through parliament or you could put when the end of the transition period which obviously has only just occurred um, because after that either Brexit goes well and the clamour to be separate from England reduces or Brexit goes so badly that the idea of disentangling um, the, uh, the union is so unappealing because we've seen how bad it is disentangling the UK from um, a much shorter period of time as a member of the EU, um, that it becomes unappealing. So it sort of, either way, it should have hit nationalism was my view. Now, of course, the thing that's come about in between uh, me initially saying that uh, although I think I probably repeated it more recently, um, and um, and where we are today is the pandemic, and that has had a remarkable effect in raising the profile of of devolved government. Mm. I think to an extent, and I have to say, I think this is a really unhealthy um, uh, set of circumstances that. A little bit of the argument that we've seen in Scotland, where it's almost the Scottish government's opponents are Westminster, as opposed to other parties in the Scottish Parliament, that we started to get a little bit of that in Wales, not to the same extent, but it, it almost feels like it's, it's Mark Drakeford and the Welsh government versus the UK government, as opposed to what it really should be, which is the Welsh government versus opposition parties in the Senate. But that's quite a potent... Um, um, motivation, if that spreads out amongst the populace, as I think it has in Scotland. Hmm. Well, I think Scotland's going is 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 one possible catalyst for Welsh independence, isn't it? So, if Scotland were to hold a referendum and were to vote to leave, then uh, you know that, that that could act as a catalyst for for Wales to do the same. I think that's one possible way that it could come about. I agree with you. I also think it's the most ridiculous way it could come about because, I mean, nothing says not independent like having to wait to watch what another country does and then following suit because they've done it. Mm. Um, you know, that, that's not screaming self-determination to me. Um, but I absolutely agree. It is, it is a, a serious risk. And I guess the other thing, which is not quite the same, but has some similarity, 
is just the union unraveling. I mean, there was a poll that came out during the year which showed that actually the Welsh were the most pro-union um, of, of all four nations. There's kind of been this presumption that England is pro-union, but mm. actually, certainly on that poll, and I'm not sure I've seen data to particularly counter it recently, mm. there isn't that strong indication that that is the case. Um, and there certainly could be a bit of a backlash if Scotland leaves then a, a little bit of a feeling in England, well, um, you know, they're, they're feeling slightly, maybe feeling slightly rejected. I mean, I, I hope this doesn't occur because I think this is, this is kind of the worst case scenario in, in many ways, um, that if Scotland leaves the UK, that, that England feels um, um, a, an element of hostility. I'm not suggesting that would manifest itself in, in political decision-making, but um, that there'd be some bad feeling there, I think would be, would be very bad. Um, but it's plausible, it could occur. And if that's the case, then suddenly Wales sort of just is at risk of, of being unraveled from the union without any vote taking place, without any campaign taking place even. Um, and that could happen quicker than we anticipate, I think. It's one of those things that when the, the momentum starts behind it, could very rapidly unravel. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think that it's a, a real risk, especially, as you said, with the pandemic highlighting the different approaches or the similarities as well in terms of approaches between the devolved governments. And I suppose oh, I mean, some of it arises from the way that devolution has, has happened, really, in sort of a piecemeal fashion over time. Um, and that sort of in, in a Welsh and, and English context or, or in a Senedd and Westminster context, I suppose, um, it's, it's difficult for the parties when the government in, uh, in Westminster is the opposition in, in Wales and the opposition in Westminster is the government in Wales. And so, you know, it, it, it causes that, that, that sort of dynamic. There's, there's bound to be friction there. Um, and so, so yes, I, I I think that it's a it's a possibility, um, but I mean I, I suppose the other um, the other way that it could come about, so so leaving Scotland aside, is if um, I think that the polling continues to show strong support, and you know we're, we're talking about thirty three percent as sort of a, a high watermark um, so far. If that were to continue to increase, if it got to the stage where it was above 50% amongst polls for a sustained period of time, you know, there, there would be an argument there that there should be a referendum and the, the question should be put to the, to, to, the, uh, to the Welsh people. Now, how that would be put is, is, is probably another question for another podcast because there are all sorts of different dynamics. It, I mean, there, there could be some sort of settlement about increasing, um, increasing powers to the Welsh Assembly as, a, uh, as, as, a, as an alternative to full-blown independence. Um, and that, of course, but, was what happened in Scotland. And then here we are just a few years later and yeah. the push for independence is, is back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Adam Price has indicated that he'd like a referendum within 10 years, I think, hasn't he? Mm, um, yes. Which I, I think is is both optimistic but is exactly what you'd expect the leader of Plaid Cymru to say, really. In, in some ways, it's slightly strange that they've... Um, not been quite so um, 
uh, I'm sure gung-ho isn't the technical political term, but I'm going to use it, gung-ho about independence um, for, for a period of time. But now they feel capable of doing so. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical of the 33, is it 33%? The, the sort of 30%-ish yes. yeah. um, figure. Um, I, I, that would be quite a dramatic jump from polling, which on a tracker poll consistently comes up at around sort of 15% year on year. So I, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical on that one, but that's that's not to dismiss it out of hand either. If we had a number of polls that back that up um, and it's certainly the volume around um, independence has grown and also the number of people who are prepared to champion it, who perhaps we wouldn't necessarily have identified um, before. Mm. I mean, Eddie Butler, Michael Sheen, for example, have, have recently um, been people that have indicated um, their support for Welsh independence. Um, so I think I think that's a factor as well. And the Western Mail has come very close to taking a pro-independence editorial line mm. um, over the last few years. It's, it's been noticeable. Uh, I mean, I, I think a number of the, the reporters and the editor have written from a position of what they call as indie curiosity. Now, let's be mm. completely clear. If you're writing for a newspaper column, you are more than curious about the idea if you're mm. going to commit to that. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess the, um, the other factor then is, is to just give a bit of consideration to the sort of nature of the campaigns. Now I say campaigns as if we have a clear cut, here's an independence campaign, here's a um, vote no, support the union type campaign, vote remain campaign. Um, <laughs> Oh, it'd be fascinating to see a Venn diagram, wouldn't it, of who's in the Remain campaign for the UK and who's in the Remain campaign for the EU. Um, but <laughs> um, what do you make of the sort of nature of the, the campaigns, the way they're going about? Are they going about things in a way that um, is going to build a coalition of support? Mm. And obviously in the case, I mean, with we're saying the campaigns, yes, Cymru is pretty clear cut now as the only significant player in town in terms of, of cross-party campaigning. Mm. And indeed, according to their own membership figures, now has more members than, considerably more members than, than Plaid Cymru, um, which I suspect is probably beneficial to their campaign because they need to be more than just Plaid Cymru with a different badge. Mm. Um, on the union side, there's no formal campaign as such but I think we've seen more um, bold rhetoric, boisterous rhetoric even, um, coming from um, some on the union side. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's from the pro-independent side, I mean, yes, Cymru then is, is uh, meant to be cross-party. I did see um, some conversation um, a, a while ago on Twitter, where uh, Yes Cameron was trying to say that uh, people who support independence are from the Conservative Party should be made to feel very welcome, and that was actually shouted down, and that post was eventually removed, as I as I recall. And I think that you know that's there are people who are centre right of centre in, in in Wales who might vote Conservative, might be members of, of the Conservatives, and still might support independence and so you know I, I think it's important for yes Cymru to be uh, an inclusive 
movement, um, generally in terms of political thought and, and political positioning. I think part of the, the, the problem on the independent side is that you've got some people who are supportive of independence because they're culturally Welsh. And so there are an awful lot of people, I think, in, in Ceredigion, um, no, my, my part of the world, who are culturally strongly Welsh. You know, they're, they're, they're Welsh speakers, very much entwined in, in, in the culture of Wales. And um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a real feeling that Wales should be an independent country. I think then you also have people who have um, socialist political beliefs and they see an independent Wales as being a vehicle for a socialist state. You know, it's, it's a state that is, is uh, you know, Wales is more left-leaning, I would say, or more liberal-leaning um, overall. It's got a, a long um, relationship with the, with the Labour Party. Um, you know, Labour's been in, in government in, in the Senate for quite some time now, well, since, since, since the beginning of devolution. Um, and so you know, maybe there's a thought, well, this is a way that we can get the sort of state that we want. So perhaps less of a feeling of that sort of Welsh identity, sort of more of a means to an end. That's not to say that socialists don't have that feeling. You know, I'm, it's just it's just an observation, really. And so those, I think I see those sort of two different opinions sort of splitting that 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 independence thought because a lot of the um, the the Cardis who would support an independent Wales would bulk. I would from people that I know, and he would bulk at the thought of a socialist Wales as well. You know, it's a slightly different thought process. I don't know what you what you think of that. I, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a broader issue where those of us who who have some involvement in politics tend to oversimplify the way that people vote. And I mean, I, I remember standing in the council election where it was a three member ward, and people voted for one Conservative, one Labour, one Lib Dem. There were various combinations. Mm. um in there um it it makes a lot less sense than necessarily we think it should at times we mm. put people into boxes and it's a mis or put voters into boxes and it's a mistake to do so mm. um i think you've also got to look at the nature of that labor vote yes it's been hugely loyal to them for basically 100 years but actually you look at the um what what motivates Labour voters in the South Wales Valleys, for example, and that can be quite removed from the more um, uh, cosmopolitan Labour outlook that um, perhaps, certainly uh, I think within Cardiff, um, it becomes more dominant, but perhaps even within um, the, the Senate itself is the, the, the more dominant position. So th there's quite a lot of nuances in there aren't there and I mean again traditionally I'm not sure it is the case anymore but traditionally the valleys used to be seen as quite unionist in their outlook hmm. um, I, I guess the other challenge you touched on with your comment about um, yes Cymru and conservatives which is a fascinating topic in itself that, that probably would be worth you know, a, a podcast by itself um, I would be really concerned if I was Yes Cymru on that basis because they I, I completely accept they're not going to get a large number of Conservatives on board. But there's lots of people who might have sometimes voted Conservative that they would need to get on board. 
Um, and and that's the key point that you you don't want to be limiting your audience. Um, now I don't follow Yes Cymru on social media. This might not surprise you, um, but um, the the overall it, it can be difficult with a campaign like that because it's very decentralized isn't it there's lots of little groups within it so you, you lose control very rapidly as to what your messaging is uh, which is which is a challenge and if you've got a few people who are more outspoken on a partisan basis that can undermine the message um but i think that's something they really need to look at because certainly whether they worry about whether somebody's conservative or not and what exactly they define as conservative whether that's a member or a voter um they definitely don't want to lose people who simply hold broadly center-right views because that would be a fairly decent proportion of wales and even some of those who perhaps economically are not in that place on law and order um mm. again i would suggest some of the labor voters in the valleys um might well be right of center on, on such issues um i'm now probably putting people in the boxes i told people not to earlier on but i, I think there's something to it at least yeah i mean i think that there were there were responses people saying that yes this is this is something that you need to, to look at you need to be inclusive politically and and you're you join together as people who want to see an independent wales and then you you discuss what sort of wales it's going to be afterwards and you have but you, you you put your where you are on this on the political scale political compass to one side you put your differences to one side on that matter and you support independence for wales other people i think were more looking at um uh, uh, so sort of the purity of the ideology and looking more for a a left-leaning um sort of campaign looking more at what sort of wales you want to have and then advocating for independence on that basis. It's just sort of a different way of looking at it. But I, I do think that there's going to be a need, even if we take that that um, poll, which was taking away the the don't know figures. So that's how you get to the 33%. Ah, right. So you okay. take away the so 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 if you take away the don't knows, you know, there, there's been a steady steady increase over time, and there are a few sort of 32% polls going back. But that 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 33% is where that comes from. Um, but you're, you're still going to have to um, push out into the wider population, um, you know, and, you know, you, you wonder how Yes Camry are going to um, um, expand then um, into people, um, in, in, into new uh, members. I mean, some somebody like myself, I've I think I surprised you before saying that I was you did. curious. I, yeah, yeah, and and I was quite quite curious about it. And I suppose what I mean by that is that I'm not um, averse to the idea of, of independence. What I would like to see is a a positive set of reasons why Wales should be independent and how that would benefit people in Wales as a whole and when I say benefit I'm not just talking about a straightforward financial benefit and how well we would be but I'm, I'm talking about um, social benefits health benefit you know that that that, that sort of thing so um, I suppose by saying that what I'm saying is it's not I, I'm not um, I'm not uh, cleave to the idea of the union 
it's all about um, sort of utilitarian argument of well, what is what is for the best of, of people in Wales, and I'm, you know, I'm ready to be persuaded. Um, at the moment, I don't feel that a group like Yes Cymru have put forward those sorts of arguments um, that would attract somebody like um, somebody in my sort of position, who, you know, admittedly as well, is, is sort of a, a uh, you know, think, thinks about things from a sort of a, a centrist slash centre right perspective. I, I think it's it's really interesting for for what Yes Cymru do next because th- there's no doubt about it they've been phenomenally successful in mm. recent years. I actually think last year was the most impressive of, of of their recent development actually because they adapted to the circumstances and still maintained their campaign and still built support. Mm. It, it, the year before we were seeing these big marches and so on and. They're a good way to show that there is popular that there is a groundswell behind an idea, but it's not the same as actually really broadening your message. It, it that's getting people together who are already convinced, as opposed to uh, really widening the message. And I think they have done that last year. I think they were really impressive. Um, and yeah, you, you're absolutely right. It's going to be really interesting what the next step is for them because it's going to be quite challenging. I suspect the ideology of some of the people behind it. Um, even as, as somebody who who is approaching this very much as as a unionist, I want the same intelligent level debate as you're talking about. Um, I I want to see them make a good case because I think we'll have a better debate as a result. And for as long as independence is a plausible outcome, if that happens, let's let's talk by referendum because that's the the most straightforward way. If after a referendum, that is the decision of the Welsh people, then I want it to be a success. I want Wales to do well. Um, And that's going to be enhanced by there being a more comprehensive, broader approach by those who are seeking independence and and looking to include people who are not on the political left. Mm. And and learning from some of the the, um, issues with the Brexit campaign, I would suggest where there was where the, the, the level of, of um, discussion really wasn't there. I think it would be good to have that, that sort of level of, of, of informed debate about the about the pros and cons. Um, you know, it's for, for, for many people, I, I suppose it comes down to a feeling, you know, um, you know they, they, they feel like they want an independent Wales and that they are willing to um, you know, forego um, some you know, certain benefits of being in the union for that and they would be willing to um you know put a put a price on that and that's fine somebody like me you know i i identify as as being welsh you know i i speak welsh um i think i still need to have some sort of positive reason to vote for independence beyond that um, ability to self-govern no, we are we are Welsh, therefore we should govern ourselves. I think I need to see that there's a benefit for people in in Wales. So, uh, I, you know, from from Yes Cymru, what I want to see is a a strong positive um, argument for independence for Wales, sort of backed up with um, looking at the finances and how you know what what a, a um, an independent Wales would would look like financially in terms of the different services that it would it would provide. Um, from the unionist side, I mean, 
that is the that is the status quo i suppose it's you know a disparate group of, of people there isn't a single point like yes Cymru, as you say and that actually makes things quite quite difficult i think so there isn't that that focal point so if there were to be a referendum they would need to mobilize a campaign fairly quickly whereas with yes Cymru being in place well they've already got a group ready to go on the ground they've been campaigning for years on it we did an episode last year on the abolish the assembly movement um and that has has become tied up with the unionist cause in many ways hasn't it which, which it, there's some logic to of course um but it does feel that the most vocal voices for the union are tending to actually be um adopting a view that they would like to do away with welsh devolution entirely which to me is never a way yeah if you start from a position where david melding is your enemy you're never going to build a consensus across wales um no, and it, i think a number concerning. of those people would think that david melding was their enemy yeah 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 i, I think you know that, that the whole point is that you're trying to build that sort of, of, of consensus so in the same way that, that yes um, yes, Cymru are looking to, uh, or I feel anyway, should be looking to um, expand um, their, their, their range of members, people who are interested in, in independence. I think, the, I think those who support the union shouldn't take it for granted that this is the status quo. I mean, generally speaking, it's, it's easier to advocate for the status quo, I think, in a, in a, in a referendum, rather than getting somebody to vote for something different. Now, admittedly, since Brexit, no, I think probably my, my view on that has changed. But I do think broadly it's, it's, it's easier for, for and people are more likely to vote for the status quo um, rather than any sort of wholesale change. I think even looking back at Brexit, the, the Leave campaign, I certainly can recall a, a Dominic Cummings interview from um, uh, prior to the referendum. They very much worked hard to pitch Remain as being the uncertainty as opposed to the status quo, that you're making this commitment into the future without knowing what it's going to look like. So even there, you had um, a, a feeling that um, the status quo argument risked trumping the change argument, and they tried to turn what many people would have perceived as status quo into, into a change rather than... Mm. Um, business as usual hmm. uh sorry carol well i no, I'm just just thinking i mean we've, we've made you know we, we've just dis, we discussed the welsh independence movement and the unionist um side sort of almost like um opposite sides of uh brexit remain and leave I mean, do you think that there would be similarities um with the brexit campaign i, I think i think there already are similarities um um, I, as, as you're aware, Luke, um, I did about a year ago submit a dissertation um, which was entitled Has Welsh Nationalism Borrowed the Language of Brexit? Um, and I looked at it through uh, four particular aspects, which were sovereignty, economy, immigration and internationalism. And if I'm honest, my starting point was to think that there probably was a lot of overlap and in some cases there definitely is. I mean, the sovereignty argument, you can almost interchange the words between some of what you will hear um, from whether they be leading Plaid Cymru figures, some of those um, opinion articles were mentioned in the Western Mail were included in that. Um, being shackled to, uh, 
to somebody else was a recurring uh, reference. Um, and it, it also raises another point, which I think is, is a very interesting um, one, which is that I think both campaigns to an extent, but I'll use the example of Welsh nationalism, at times try to manage the narrative by answering a question that nobody's asked. And, and the big example for this is people say Wales is too small and too poor, but, and then they will give an example as to why it's not. Now, for the record, I don't think Wales is too small or too poor for independence. And I've heard the question answered far more by people defending it than I've ever heard it asked. I'm not saying it's never asked, it is occasionally, but it suits the independence campaign to um, mould their opposition as if they are dismissive of Wales, that it is too small and it's too poor. Now, demonstrably, it's not too small. You just look at the countries around the world. There are many with a smaller population than Wales. Um, and realistically, nor is it too poor, although there is a very serious discussion uh, to be had about the, um, how the initial financial um, gulf um, would be filled because there is a significant transfer um, from England to Wales. Um, although in reality, there's also a significant transfer from the southeast of England to the rest of England, which tends mm. not to be a factor in these discussions and perhaps should be a little bit more. Um, but um, while, while I got that similarity looking at sovereignty, I also got it looking at internationalism. I think it's really important this. I'm, no doubt there are Welsh independence campaigners who will be horrified at the idea that I'm suggesting they've got a similar view of internationalism to Brexiteers. But I think it has to be remembered that this is what the Brexiteers were actually saying, as opposed to what their opponents were implying they meant by what they were saying. Mm. Um, and I think that's where some of the, the waters got muddied around this. And, and the two campaigns would see themselves as very different. But actually, you look at what they're saying. And again, almost word for word, you can find great similarities. But there were two areas where there was a distinct difference. One was on immigration. Um, now, there were those within the Brexit campaign who were very keen to um, to focus on a sort of liberal internationalist approach and um, steer away from immigration. And then every so often Nigel Farage turned up um, and not only Nigel Farage. Let's be completely <laughs> honest about this. Um, what I picked up from the Welsh side when looking through um, various discourses that had come forward was really only one or two examples of something said by a person of of standing that you you recognize the name um, where there was an element of real dismissiveness towards the English. Um, the vast majority of the time that didn't occur. What I did get was that there was an acknowledgement by leaders of the campaign that within the movement there was um, xenophobic strands and a realisation that that couldn't be allowed to become the overall narrative of the campaign. So on, on the matter of immigration, I did find a quite significant difference um, when you take the campaigns as a whole. Um, and on the economy, um, I mean, this actually goes back to one of your first points, really. It was all about political ideology. Um, it, it could have been a discussion between 
the political right and the political left, as opposed to anything to do with membership of a wider union. Um, a lot of the Brexiteer arguments was essentially for low regulation, low tax, um, uh, bordering on libertarian at times, um, engagement with the world and seeing that the European Union was a constraint on that happening. You look at the debate in Wales from Welsh nationalists, and it is nearly all about avoiding what they perceive as neoliberalism um, being pursued in England um, and looking at a far more um, left of centre economic policy. And it's almost like the, the national boundaries are just a proxy for this debate that would be happening anyway. Um, so I have to say, I mean, I, I found it, um, as with any dissertation, one has stressful moments during it. But overall, I did find it really interesting. And it opened my eyes to a few things because it, it wasn't quite as clear cut as I thought it might be. I picked up on a few examples before I started this. And I thought, yeah, I think there is a strong case that the language being used in both campaigns is very, very similar. And as I say, on a couple of the topics, it was, but on the other two, it was very divergent. And the reasons for that were quite interesting as well. Hmm. No, that, that, that is interesting. And I think one forgets, um, you know, with Brexit, I mean, it all happened, it feels like an age ago. But you know, when there were the, the um, people in the Leave campaign, or quite a few, were advocating this sort of um, Leave as the more internationalist approach because instead of confining yourself to acting with the European Union you'd be open to trade deals with different countries you could encourage people in terms of immigration from different countries rather than giving them an unfair advantage to um, to uh, members or uh, citizens of, of uh, member states um, so it's, it's quite interesting and it, it, I think I suppose it shows that uh, the 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 damage that can be done to arguments by an opponent with a with a uh, you know, with, with with a campaign, I suppose that's something that was lost. Um, I mean, I suppose from an independence point of view, you know, looking at the relationship with England post independence would be something that would need to be looked at. I mean, I think I, I've seen um, uh, people who are deeply unhappy with the concept of the um, of, of closer links with Bristol, for instance, and, and anything to do with England, but quite happy to support a, a sort of a Celtic nation, Scotland, Ireland, Wales um, sort, sort of approach. And I mean, if you think about it, the, the, the big centres in England, you know, London, but also thinking of, of, of Bristol and Liverpool and Manchester are worth an awful lot of, of, of money, especially London. You know, and you look at the, the financial services sector there as well. You, know, you wouldn't want to turn your back on that. Um, no, so I, so there's, there's, there's a fine line, I think, to be, to, to be trod there. If one looks at it objectively as well, I mean, realistically, the catchment area of Bristol and the catchment area of Liverpool includes parts of Wales. Mm. Um, and... I mean, you know, certainly in the case of, of Bristol, you're talking about a, a very economically successful city. Um, even putting aside the, the direct cash transfer element of the Barnet formula, there is naturally a flow of, um, of finances coming across because of people who live in Gwent and work in Bristol.
Hmm. Well, I think, yeah, well, you, uh, you yourself used to, to commute, didn't you? I did. I did. Bar. Yes. And I've, I've worked in, in Bristol as well and split, um, split time between the Bristol office and the office in Kefili, um when I was working for, for an employer. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I think that um, the Yes campaign would need to, to look at and have a good idea of how to approach the relationship with England um, moving forward as, as well with other countries. But you know, it's, it's interesting what you, you say then. So, so you went into your dissertation thinking that there would be quite a lot of crossover. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that, that there is some, and I think we picked up on that even before I asked you about you know, your thoughts on this. There, there are some similarities, but perhaps not as much as, as we would have instinctively thought. Um, do you think yeah, that I mean, it... can, can I just give you an example on that? Yes. Um, uh, you, you could almost play a game with this as to, to which cause are they arguing for. Um, <laughs> they say we're not big enough to be on our own. We're not strong enough to be on our own. Um, in the face of continually being told we're too small and too poor to govern ourselves, there is an increasing realisation that small is beautiful and big is not necessarily better. I mean, one of those is Irvalap Gwilym, who advises Plaid Cymru on, on economics. And the other is Nigel Farage, not in that order, I should say. Um, but, you know, that's how similar some of these comments are. Yeah. And even when they're looking at how they define um, what they're opposed to, you know, everybody remembers the, um, the, the Brexiteers focus or um, elements of the Brexiteers focus on, on Turkey. As, as being you know, beyond the pale, we don't want to be forced into partnership with Turkey. You look at Plaid Cymru's manifesto in 2017, and they were full of stuff about how Boris Johnson and Donald Trump were, were pals. So even when you talk about internationalism from a negative perspective, they're actually using very similar tactics as to identifying, you know, the, the body that they want to get out of is too closely associated with something that we see as beyond the pale. Mm. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that um, 2021 then is going to be interesting then moving forward as to seeing how the the arguments develop. Um, you know, as I've said before, I, I would like to see, yes, Kemri um, try and push the envelope and try and uh, you know, look to, to expand um, and encourage people to its cause. Um, Sort of uh, looking, looking sort of at academically, I suppose, but you know, looking at positive reasons for an independent Wales. I think from the unionist side, I mean, I, you would hope that those advocating for the union um, would wouldn't just be the abolish the assembly party. I think that that, that that's a bad look as well, um, for, and and I don't think that's what the union really is about. No, there, there needs to be an emotional case made. I mean, you, you, you might have seen, I, I think I shared on Twitter and it got quite a lot of coverage, not because I shared it on Twitter, I have to say. Um, <laughs> Neil, Neil Oliver, the, um, the Scottish broadcaster and author, um, published a piece in which he talked very passionately about what, in his mind, um, combines the peoples of this island. Um and I mean, I've written previously about the fact, and I completely accept that it's it's specific to Britain in a way that it, I've I know that I have a different view if I was on the continent and um, with with the history of borders there. 
but to me i'm on a relatively small island um and i see everybody on that island as being very similar to me in or, or <laughs> very similar to me uh, or equally diverse from me it, it doesn't really matter but i see it as being part of one i don't see the a particular difference divide defined by borders drawn within this island um and i completely accept that i've opened up a massive topic on on the future of the island of Ireland by saying that and I'll let other people have that conversation because um, I don't think I'm the best person to comment on that one. Mm. Well I, I think it's a good job then that we're looking at uh, as having um, a series of discussions about. There's a lot to talk about isn't defense. there? There's an awful lot to talk about um, and, our, and our listeners will be very pleased to know that we've been looking at trying to um, make sure that our podcasts aren't quite as long as they have been in the past. I'm not sure that we've done a very good job of that today, have I've we? I've got a confession. I thought the recording box in the top left corner said the time on it. And when it's not said the time on it, I've kind of not been keeping track of how long <laughs> it is. We've got more than half an hour, haven't we? But we're under an hour. Let's settle for that. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's good I progress. Think... Maybe next time we'll get to half an hour. I think we're under an hour. Um, yeah, I hope people <laughs> find that interesting. Um, as Luke mentioned, we'll have a number of, of other episodes looking at different aspects of the Welsh independence debate. Um, and ah, I hope that um, I hope that in our own little way, we play a part in, in perhaps broadening out the discussion that is currently taking place. It's probably wishful thinking in the run up to an election. Um, but um, we'll discuss other topics during the year as well. But we felt that this was something that, that deserved some time and some serious thought. So here's step one. I hope you've enjoyed it. Speak to you soon. <laughs>